Blog Talk Radio. Hello, listeners. Ed Shanahan here with the Unexplained World radio broadcast for Sunday, May 20th. I'm your co-host, Edward Shanahan, and we have Annette. Annette, are you there? I'm here, Ed. Yeah, we, uh, no music tonight. No, uh, it says startup. Well, it didn't start up, but... That's okay. Um, tonight we have a special guest, Mr. Robert Schwartz. Mr. Schwartz, are you here? I'm here, Ed. Thank you. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, Mr. Robert Schwartz is the author of the new book, Courageous Souls. And when I came across this, it was uh, I was interested because I had a dream and posted something like that about three years ago, I believe, uh, Annette, you could you know, confirm that with me about three years ago. And, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's basically, it was a dream, and what I posted was um, the pre-life of a soul. Robert, if you would tell the audience what, you know, what uh, what your book is about. Well, Ed, the full title of the book is Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life Challenges Before Birth? And if your listeners are interested, they can find it at www.courageoussouls.com. As the title suggests, the book explores the premise that we are all eternal souls who plan our lives, including our greatest challenges, before we're born. And what I believe and what three to four years of research shows now is that we do this because we believe that challenges will help us to get to know ourselves more profoundly and also because uh, it will lead to spiritual growth and the acquisition of wisdom. So I started on this path back in mid-2003. At that time, I was living uh, in Chicago, and I was self-employed as a marketing and communications consultant, and I was very uh, unfulfilled with the work that I was doing. You know, I often thought that if I were to fall off the face of the earth, my clients wouldn't even notice. They would just plug someone else into my role. Right. and I, I longed for a, a deeper purpose to my life, and I knew that there must be one, but I really didn't have any idea what it was. And what happened was that I went to see a, a psychic medium. I had never done anything like this before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in this session with the medium, she explained to me the concept of spirit guides, highly evolved, non-physical consciousnesses with whom we plan our lives and who then guide us through those incarnations uh, after we're born. And through the medium, I was able to speak with my guides. Well, one of the things they told me was that I had planned many of my greatest challenges before birth. And as you can imagine, I was very surprised by this. And I said, well, why in the world did I do that? And they said, you did this for purposes of spiritual growth. So we went on to talk a little bit about what my challenges were and why I had planned them. And after this session was over, I I was absolutely astounded. I had never considered this possibility before. And I really didn't know what to make of it. But in, in the weeks to come, I thought a lot about it. It was on my mind constantly. And I, it helped me to reframe a lot of the things that had happened in my life because when these things had occurred, very, generally I had not seen a deeper purpose to them. And so the suffering uh, was greater because of the lack of purpose. And when I was introduced to this concept of pre-birth planning in this session with the medium, I realized that I was on to something that could help people to see a deeper meaning in the challenging circumstances and the challenging events in their lives. And so that, that's what launched it, and I went on to do um, 
three, three years of research with four very gifted mediums and channels who were able to access information about people's pre-birth plans. And so I wrote a book that tells the stories of 10 people who planned very common challenges. And the stories in Courageous Souls are about the pre-birth planning of things like physical illness, deafness, blindness, uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, accidents, the death of a loved one, uh, you know, fairly common challenges that many people can relate to. And uh, we find out why they plan these challenges. One of the mediums actually has the ability to hear the conversations we have with one another before we're born. And so we went into people's pre-birth planning sessions and eavesdropped, so to speak, on the conversations that souls were having with each other. And I present these actual conversations from the pre-birth planning sessions in the book. So we listened in as people spoke to their future parents, their future children, future spouses and friends and other loved ones, and we found out uh, why they planned these challenges and what they were hoping to learn from them. Go ahead, Annette. you have one? Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> um, in the Souls Conversations, um, I do past life readings, and I find so many times people are very interested in finding out more about those that they are experiencing their lives with in this lifetime and how they may have lived previous lifetimes with those same spirits or same souls, okay, so same people. Um, what's your take on that? Do, we, do you see that there are parallel lives that connect and reconnect and reconnect in reincarnations? Yes, I, I found that um, karmic balancing was one of the major reasons that we plan incarnations and plan to work with certain people. So many of your listeners will probably already be familiar with the concept of karma, but just to quickly review it, karma is sometimes conceptualized as cosmic debt, but I think of it more as unbalanced energy. So to take a very simple example, let's say that in a past life, two people, um, one was physically ill and the other person was the caretaker for the one who was ill, well, when they pass out of uh, the physical lifetime and they have their life review, there's a sense of unbalanced energy there. And so they will be motivated to plan another incarnation in which they can balance that energy. Now, the obvious way to do that would be to simply switch roles. Right. So the one who was physically ill may decide to become the caretaker, and the one who was the caretaker may now decide to experience physical illness. But what makes this so interesting and so challenging from the human perspective, is that once in body, neither soul will remember the pre-birth planning. So the person who is physically ill may feel angry about or burdened by the illness, and the one who is in the caretaker role may feel angry about or burdened by the need to take care of another person. And the objective here is to learn to give and receive love unconditionally in very challenging circumstances. And when we do that, we start to remember who we really are as souls which is to say that we are love. We are, by nature, loving as souls. And as we are able to express love on the physical plane, we come into greater remembrance of our eternal identity. Robert, um, did this change your life once you were able to grasp this and do a deeper investigation of it and, and get answers? How did it change your life? Well, in, in two major ways. One is that looking back on, on the past, I was able to reframe the challenging things that had happened to me. And so these events that at the time seemed to be meaningless suffering, now I saw a much deeper purpose to them. 
and I realized that, that it was not empty suffering as I had believed at that time. The other thing that has happened in the present is that when something challenging happens to me, I can now stop myself and say, all right, what is the deeper purpose to this? The question I like to ask and the question I encourage people to ask is, what if I planned this before I was born? Why might I have done that? Because when you ask the question, what if, then you can give meaning to it. Even if you don't actually believe in the absolute reality of pre-birth planning, just the asking of that question, what if I planned this? Why might I have done that? That gives me greater meaning to whatever it is that's happening. And so you may get some intuitive insights into why you planned it. Or even if you don't believe in pre-birth planning, you can give meaning to it, and that fosters your spiritual and personal growth. Robert, would you say that um, the evolution of the soul, because I think that's pretty much what lifetimes are all about, in my opinion, um, why, in your opinion, do we evolve our souls? Now, I want to clarify your question. Are you asking okay. about the, the higher self, or are you asking, when you say soul, are you referring to the, the personality? Uh, the higher self. That, that's something that I don't know a great deal about. I, I, I do understand that the, acquisition, the wisdom that we acquire as personalities who are incarnate on the physical plane, that becomes part of our souls uh, for all eternity. It's something that we carry with us out of the physical realm, and we take it back to the soul. But I can't really explain to you exactly how the soul evolves or what changes occur in the soul as the result of our learning. But I do know that what we're doing here is very important to our higher selves. And everything that we learn, as I say, it becomes part of the soul for all eternity. Robert, in this, in this um, knowledge that you came across, um, was there a discovery, a knowledge, a learning of a higher power? I missed the last part of your question there. Okay, was there a discovery or learning of a higher power? Okay. Um, a god, goddess, whatever um, somebody may want to yeah, call is it. There, is there the divine driving the whole wheel? Um, my, my understanding is, and, I, and I've asked about this many times in personal sessions with Medium and Channels, is that there, there is a divine source, so to speak, that you could call God or the Creator. Um, I didn't, but then again, I have to also add to that that I believe we are all sparks of the divine. So to say that there's God who's divine and then there's the rest of us, I don't make that kind of distinction. I believe that mm -hmm. souls are sparks of God and we are sparks of our souls. And every living creature, every consciousness is inherently divine. But yes, I, I, there is there is that higher power, that creator, and I do believe that there is a larger plan that's uh, in place. Yeah, I figured I'd throw that question out because I know that'd be one of the questions people would be um, curious about. You know, when I when I try to explain it, I usually say it's like imagine a ball of water, and as it drips, so are we the souls or the spirits or the the light that drips from it, and as it returns to that source, that ball. It all becomes as one, oh, once again. I think that, that's a good analogy. One of the mediums I worked with on Courageous Souls, Corby Mitley, uses the analogy of an arm and a hand and fingers. And she says, you could liken God to the arm, which extends down into the hand, which would be the higher self, and then the higher self dips down into physical incarnations, and those are the fingers. 
Oh, beautiful. That's nice. Yes. Okay, listeners, we... Let me just, uh, for the people who may be just tuning in, uh, we have Mr. Robert Schwartz, author of the new book, Courageous Souls, and uh, give them the website, again, where people, there's also a free PDF that they could download, too, from your uh, That's website. right. The, the website is www.courageoussouls.com, and if okay. your listeners go to the About the Book page, they can download a free PDF that has a large sample from the book, um, and for those who want to order but don't like to order online, there's also a toll-free number, which is 800-742-0148. Good, good. Go ahead. And, uh, you, had a, you had a question. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask Rook, one more touch on this. Uh, uh, do the past personalities that you have, okay, so the past car- incarnations, do, do you think that they show up um, as little bits and pieces of the current personality? For example... If I'm very taken with the Victorian era, is it possible that that's a little remnant from a past Victorian life, let me say? I I think that's very possible. One of the interesting experiences I had when I started to do this research is that I was introduced to a woman who has the ability to channel her soul, her higher self. So I asked her, I told her about the book that I was researching, and I asked her, can I interview your soul? And she said yes. So I interviewed her higher self for a total of about 15 hours over five meetings. And one of the very interesting things that came up in this interview is that the higher self, the soul, spoke about a previous incarnation uh, in a Native American lifetime. It was a a female Native American whose name was Little Bird. And I was told by this woman's soul that Little Bird actually played a significant role in this woman's pre-birth planning. Little Bird was at the pre-birth planning session and spoke of her incarnation and things that had been incomplete or still needed to be learned. And so there was a strong influence from that Native American lifetime um, on the planning for the current lifetime. It was really a fascinating revelation. Okay. Hmm. So, okay, that that particular person that you were interviewing, um, did she have leaning towards Native American, oh, I don't know, art or sciences or history in her you know, current lifetime? I, I can't say that, that she did, but other people that I've spoken to, they did have certain leanings like that. Okay. Now, now I, I think one of two things is happening in those cases. I think in many instances, as you say, the person actually has had a previous incarnation in a certain place or a certain time, and that's why they have an affinity for that place or time. But I think something else is happening as well, and that is what I've seen in my research is that in these pre-birth planning sessions, we are shown scenes, almost on a screen, if you will, of where we're going to incarnate and things that are going to happen or are likely to happen in the upcoming lifetime. So somebody might be shown a particular place, for example, let's say um, an old section of France, and then they go to this place in their, their next incarnation, and it really resonates with them, and they say, oh my, I feel like I've seen this before. I must have had an incarnation as somebody in uh, old France. Well, that may be the case, but it may also be the case that they were just shown a scene from this area of France in the pre-birth planning session, and so that's the reason it resonates so strongly with them. And they were shown that scene in France because they would go there in that particular new lifetime. Yes, they're, they're, okay. we're all shown certain scenes of things that are probable, and these are things that are important for us to know as we're planning our lives. So if somebody had seen this scene in France, as an example, 
um, when they get there and it feels familiar to them, there's a tendency to attribute all deja vu experiences to past lives. Okay. Many of them, many of them actually are, I think, but many are not. Many are uh, flashbacks to the pre-birth planning session where people saw scenes from that place. Very interesting. We, uh, Kathy, my wife, has joined us. Hello, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Hey, you guys. She's uh, listening in. Feel free to jump in, Kathy, anytime that you uh, have a question for Robert. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert, would you say, now this is my my feelings about it, um, a soul, let's say maybe you came across this, if it's had past lives, it somewhat remembers those past lives. Um, and let's say today living, it helps you judge or have feelings of, you know, good and evil, da-da-da-da, stuff like that. Um, now, are, that are you asking if the soul remembers the past lives or the, the person who's in the incarnation? Okay, the person in the incarnation... Basically, they have the soul. Would that soul remember past lives that it had? That's what I'm saying. That it's the soul. The soul is. You can think of the soul. I think of the soul as all knowing, and I believe that the soul retains the the memory or the impression, not only of all previous incarnations, but every small detail, everything that was thought, everything that was felt, everything that was experienced. So all of these things can potentially come into play when the soul plans the next incarnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, there, there's a sense of certain themes that the soul will want to work on or certain uh, areas of growth to focus on. So I, I would not say that everything from every past life, life comes into play in the pre-birth planning, but usually certain things are picked out as being particularly important to work on in the next lifetime, and uh, that goes into the planning session. Okay. Okay. Robert, this is so interesting. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> enthralled. How about this one? Do you um can you speculate on what the distance is between lifetimes from the time that a, a personality passes on to the time or you know and they have to go through this pre-birth planning process and review of the past life, I'm sure, until the time again when they would be born as a new personality. Can you speculate on what that span of time as we know it might be? My, my understanding is that the average length of time is between 25 to 75 years oh. bef- between incarnations. But, but it's important for your listeners to keep in mind that time as we experience it is very different than the soul would experience it. To us, 25 to 75 years is a very long period of time. At, at the soul level, that's over like a clap of thunder. It's over in an instant. Yeah. So it's it's very, very different. Okay, listeners, if uh, anybody wants to give a call, you feel free to call 646-915-9653. How about the new soul? Um, I guess you could say young soul, new soul. Um, I'm sure those are produced also, aren't they, Robert, compared to a soul that's been here a few times, um, basically a brand new soul, a new birth type of thing. There, Did you come there, across that? This is not something that I myself have spent a great deal of time researching, but I can speak to it briefly. There is a system known as the Michael system that some of your listeners are probably familiar with, 
Michael is a group consciousness which is channeled by a number of people around the world and in this country as well. And Michael focuses on soul age in explaining how incarnations are planned. What Michael tells us is that younger souls tend to be interested in exploring issues of physical survival and therefore they will tend to cluster in underdeveloped countries where they can explore those kinds of themes. Michael says that as souls get older, they move away from that. They feel that their learning in that area is complete, and they become much more interested in exploring emotional issues and emotional growth. And then at that point, they will start incarnating in more developed countries. One of the really interesting things that Michael talks about is that countries tend to have certain ages, soul ages, predominate. So um, I, I believe that, if I recall correctly, some of the countries that have tend to have oldest souls are, uh, I think, Poland and some of the Scandinavian countries. Uh, the United States tends to have um, sort of mid, middle of the road and younger souls. And then, um, as I mentioned, in, in third world countries and underdeveloped areas, you have the youngest souls of all. How interesting. <laughs> I think I could talk to you all night. <laughs> oh, I could. <laughs> Put on a pot of coffee. <laughs> um, Kathy, got anything? I know her mind is whirling too. Well, it's that it is. That it is. <laughs> I'll give you something in a few minutes. I just I sort of came into it a little bit late, so I didn't get to hear the beginning of it as well. But I feel very, very strongly about the souls and the rotation of the souls and, and certainly the past lives that um, come into play. But my, my only thing is, and, and probably because I don't have enough knowledge in, in this field or certainly enough um, knowledge to have researched it, but where does a soul decide to end their journey? That's not something that I really know a great deal about because I've only researched souls who are planning incarnations here and now. Um, as you probably know, there's a great deal of talk these days about the year 2012 and ascension. And um, right. the, many people feel that they are on their last physical incarnation. And that's why my understanding is that there are a lot of people incarnate now whose lives are jam-packed, so to speak, with all kinds of drama and challenges. And that's because they're ramping up their physical incarnations and they need to balance all the karma and complete the learning themes that they've been working on, in many cases, you know, for dozens or hundreds of past lives. But I, beyond that, I, I don't know a great deal about that area. Do you think that when a person finds himself, and I'm going to say that, like, for example, in my sense of being, when you say things often enough, for example, the files are full in my brain or my heart is so full I can't seem to fill it any longer, do you think that that might be, a point where you may have come towards the end of your cycle, so to speak? Well, it, it sounds to me like you're talking about an intuitive feeling that maybe you're finished. And I, I believe, and, and my research very much supports the concept that intuition is really a direct communication from our souls. So if you're telling me that you feel perhaps intuitively that you're on your last incarnation, I, I would have a great deal of respect for that and I would encourage you to honor that feeling because I, I really do believe that intuition is our soul's way of telling us different things. 
I agree. I agree with you 100%. I really, really do. I think I've gained a great deal of respect to listen to my intuition a little bit better. I'm not saying I'm perfect, perfect at it, nor have I perfected it, but certainly I listen to it a lot more. And I hear other people, not a lot of people, but a lot of other people say the same thing. I, my heart is fuller. Um, I couldn't live any more of a life to know the things that I know today. I agree with you 100% that throughout our lifetime, we find ourselves in, so to speak, deja vu situations or where you get this feeling that something, something other than your present self is pushing you forward and, and other sorts of little verbs or verses like that that come into play. So I, I firmly believe that whatever you've experienced in past lives has developed and, and moved you forward in your present life and certainly will help you in your present life. I find this very interesting. Put on another pot of coffee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, I, may I ask you about the actual pre-birth planning stage? Um, I'm curious when, I know Ed and I have expounded on this back and forth many times. You know, His dream that he put down on paper was, Oh, almost as you're taking an elevator ride down, and as you were go- as he was going, he would like choose. He get to level 17, and he would choose. Okay, I will be a cripple, and he gets to level 16, and I will have good hope, and I will get to level 15, and I will be charitable, etc. Okay, um, what would you say in your experience, and with all the uh, ex- interviewing that you've done, would be the process? Can you run us through a little bit of the process of a pre-birth plan? Well, what, what I've seen in my research comes from a, a very gifted medium named Stacy Wells, who is based in Arizona. Stacy has the ability to see and to hear the pre-birth planning sessions that the souls have with each other. So there are a couple of themes there that, that she sees in almost every session. One is that um, there are always spirit guides present. Usually there is sort of a... Um, for lack of a better term, a senior spirit guide who oversees the process. But even though the spirit guides are present, they generally tend to step back and let the souls plan the incarnations on their own, and then they come forward when they're called upon for advice. So that's one theme that we've seen in many, many pre-birth planning sessions. Another theme that has come up again and again is that Stacy sees something that you might call a chessboard or a checkerboard. That's what it looks like in her mind's eye. And this is a planning device. It's a tool that is used by the souls to map out the life that is to come. So it, it takes into account place and it takes into account time and sequence of events. The other thing that she sees that's very much related to that is that the, the planning is done in sort of a flow chart manner. That's not to say that literally a flow chart is used, but the planning is structured as though it were on a flowchart. In other words, it's a very complex set of if-then scenarios. You go down one step and you come to a fork in the road. If you do this, then that will happen. If you do that, then this will happen. And so there's this very intricate branching at every step, at every fork in the road, very much like a flowchart, which is a series of if-then scenarios. So as the souls are planning their lives, the spirit guides will say, you will come to this fork, you know, say at age 10, and if you do this, your life will go in that direction. But if you make this other choice, here's what is the most probable uh, results from that. So these, these are some of the themes that we've seen in each of the pre-birth planning sessions uh, working with Stacey Wells. 
Can I ask one simple question? Do you believe that during that birthing process, do you believe that there's ever a collaboration of souls where they plan certain events together? Well, that, that's exactly what I've seen in, in every pre-birth planning session. It's not just the individual soul and the spirit guides. It's all of the significant players and many of the minor players in the future incarnation. So the, the future parents will be there, the future children, spouses, boyfriends and girlfriends and lovers and enemies. They're, they're all there. They come in one by one or sometimes uh, for group discussions. And all of these roles are scripted out in advance. Um, it's very much lo- like writing a script for a play, and you agree that you will play a certain role, and this other soul that you love very much w- agrees to play another role. Now, the interesting thing is that although there's great love between all the souls, some of the roles are what we would call negative roles. And we have people who play negative roles for us and challenge us because we know that it will stimulate our growth. And again, the challenge to us is to try to learn to express empathy and compassion and unconditional love and kindness under these very challenging circumstances. But these people who we think are our tormentors or our enemies, they're not really. These are just roles that are scripted before birth. And when we all get back to the other side after the incarnation, there's, there's nothing but love between souls and a lot of laughter. And, and we sort of you know, sit around the cosmic bar and say, that was pretty funny when you did that to me and then I did this to you. And there's just a great deal of, of love and kinship and laughter that's exchanged over all these things that we take so seriously when we're here. When it comes to that fork in the road, is that decided on what path you're going to take in the living aspect or the pre-planning? Well, the decision is, is as to what actually happens is made by the incarnate personality. Okay. Now, but the, the consequences, the direction the life will go in, that's planned out by the soul. But it's okay. very important for your listeners to understand they always have free will. We're not automatons. Our, our actions have not been predetermined by our souls. We get nudges from our souls that, that indicate the souls would like us to go in certain directions, but you can ignore them. We all know people who ignore their intuition again and again, and generally they get themselves into a lot of trouble. But you, you can no. do that if you want to, or you yeah. can follow your intuition, which generally will keep you on the path that your soul would like you to take. But the choice is always yours. Well, that's what I was going to follow up with, was the free will. So, okay, you answered that one. Um, Annette, Kathy? I have one very, very, well, I don't even know how to, to, to approach this. Based on your, your research and the information that you've collaborated with others, so in essence, what you're saying then is that there isn't really an evil per se, Correct. You know, I, evil is something that I'm actually planning to address in book three of the Courageous Soul series, so it's a few years down the road. Um, but when people ask me the, the question about evil, I like to cite a particular story in the book. In the, in the chapter on deafness and blindness, um, I tell the story of a young African-American woman named Penelope who was born completely deaf in both ears, and she planned this before she was born. Well, working with Stacy Wells, we went into Penelope's pre-birth planning session, and we find something very interesting there, and that is that in her incarnation immediately prior to this one, she had the same mother that she has in this lifetime. And when she was a young child in that lifetime, uh, her mother was shot to death by the mother's boyfriend, 
Now, Penelope didn't actually see the murder, but she was nearby, and she heard the gunshots that killed her mother. So as you can imagine, she was quite traumatized by this experience, so much so that she actually went on a number of years later to commit suicide in that lifetime. So when we go into her pre-birth planning session, something very interesting happens. The soul who murdered her mother in the past incarnation is there. And this soul stands up in the pre-birth planning session and says to Penelope and to her mother, I will not incarnate when the two of you are in body in this upcoming lifetime. I will remain here in spirit. The reason the soul says this is because he's concluded that they will be better off, uh, better served, without him being present in body on the physical plane in their next incarnation. And the reason that I find this so compelling is that what he's really doing is that he's deferring his own learning and growth in order to be of service to Penelope and her mother. So think about this. Here we have a soul who committed a murder in a past lifetime, and we would judge this person. We would say, this is somebody who's bad, who's evil, who deserves to be punished. But again, it was just a role that was played in that lifetime. On the soul level, this soul is just as loving and just as compassionate and just as service-oriented as every other soul in Penelope's pre-birth planning session. So I, I can't tell you definitively that there, there is no evil, but I can tell you it's not something that has come up in my work. When we go into people's pre-birth planning sessions, every soul that I see there, everything they say is based on love, motivated by love. The only thing I ever see in these pre-birth planning sessions is souls expressing love and compassion for each other. You know, uh, Robert, you're a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it's so wonderful that you've taken such a big part of your life and devoted it to this kind of research because people just don't, a lot of times, even give it a thought. And boy, just to put the idea in your in in you know in a personality's head that hey, you know, this is not just for nothing because so many people just don't even believe that their lifetime matters for anything, and a little glimmer of hope can give people so much. Well, you know, I, you. I used, you're very welcome. And I, I used to be one of those people who wondered whether or not I mattered. I wondered whether or not my life mattered and what was the purpose, what it was all about. Uh, one of the interesting things that has come up in my work with Stacy is that I asked her to access my pre-birth planning session. And sure enough, what she saw there was me planning to write the book Courageous Souls and an entire series of books on pre-birth planning. And she saw a, a long line of souls coming up to me one by one and they were uh, telling me how much they appreciated the work I was going to do. And in some cases, they, they described in great detail the circumstances they would be in when they came across my book, and they talked about what a difference it would make in terms of their own spiritual awakening. So I, I didn't put any of this in the book because I, I thought it would come across as self-aggrandizing, and I, yeah. I, that was not my intent. But it, it was very clear to me that writing this is part of my own pre-birth planning, and actually, there is one story in the book where, where this comes up. There's a chapter on the pre-birth planning of accidents. And one of the stories in that chapter is a woman, Christina, who was in a, a severe bomb explosion when she was younger. She actually planned the bomb explosion with the bomber. And when we went into her pre-birth planning session, I was there. And I went up to her after she had planned to be the victim of the bomb explosion. And I said to her, I'm going to be writing these books in my next incarnation and I would like to include you, would that be okay? And she was thrilled with that idea, and so we made a pre-birth agreement for her to tell her story in this book. Beautiful. Yeah. I would like to take a moment um, while we 
take a break for a second and make a couple announcements. Um, on June 4th, which is Monday, Monday, June 4th, Deanne and I will be doing readings at Champs Restaurant in Burbank, Illinois, 6501 West 79th Street from 7 to 10 p.m. Also, plan, plan on it now. Sunday, June 10th, we will be holding a psychic fair and paranormal gathering at Champs from 1 to 5 p.m. That would be Sunday, June 10th. Uh, four readers will be there. And um, our next show will be June 3rd, Sunday, June 3rd. I got a choice of one or, of three guests, so I haven't decided on which one yet. Um, go to our website, the Unexplained World, theunexplainedworld.com, and sign up for the uh, Yahoo uh, group and um, information on future shows will be coming up. And that if anybody wants a past life reading by you, they can email you at what address? Fairy ring at hughes.net. That's F-A-I-R-Y-R-I-N-G at hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S dot net. And by them emailing you, you will send them information about the reading and stuff like that. Absolutely. I'll give them a call or email, I'm sure. Okay. Our guest tonight for the last half of the show is Mr. Robert Schwartz, author of the new book, Courageous Souls. Um, Robert, you want to give the website again? Sure, Ed. It's www.courageoussouls.com. And again, for those who prefer not to order online, there is a toll-free number, and that is 800-742-0148. How, 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 how large is your, this first book that you uh, published? How big? It's 327 pages. Wow, wow, wow. That's a lot of writing. How many years did you put into this? I believe you said three or four. I'm up to four years of research now. The, the book is based primarily on the first three years of research. You know, there were many, many stories that I, I didn't have room to include. We did uh, the pre-birth planning sessions of dozens and dozens of people. There are only 10 in the book. Those 10 took up 327 pages. Now, have you, on a pre, pre-birth, on any of the people, were any of them like criminals or stuff like that? I mean... You know, you mean, were they, one was a they bomber, crazy? one was a murderer. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, did you actually tap into anybody that was, I mean, actually talk to somebody um, or involved with somebody that was a killer or something like that? You know, it's so, an interesting story there. I, I thought that it would be very interesting to interview someone who had spent a number of years in prison and find out whether or not they had planned before birth to do that. And mm-hmm. at, at one point, I, I did come in contact with a gentleman in Florida who had been in prison for a number of years, and he agreed that uh, he would do an interview and we would go into his pre-birth planning session. And then something very interesting happened. I was talking, just chatting casually one-on-one one day with one of the teams I work with, and her spirit guides were present, and they started to talk about this man, uh, this ex-convict in Florida, and they, they said to me, uh, we advise you not to go ahead with your interview with this person because when it's all complete, he's planning to ask you for money in order for the right to use his story. So with this warning in mind, I backed off, and so as a result, I never did do that interview. Okay. Um, maybe you give a little feedback on this. Maybe you've experienced this type or you can explain it. I'm a type of individual that can uh, feel no experience evil in people. I do readings and stuff like that. 
but I can tell you a bad person, I can tell you an evil person, and usually it plays out to prove itself. Is that from experience of a past or just intuition knowledge for the present? It's difficult for me to, to answer that question. It, it, it sounds very much like your intuition is quite strong, but I, I would imagine that this is probably your pre-birth plan was to do this kind of work as a form of service to humanity. And because you volunteered or agreed to do this form of service, you were gifted with certain abilities that, that would allow you to be of service to others. Um, and I imagine if we went into your pre-birth planning session, you would be there expressing a desire to be of service in, in exactly the way that you are. And uh, your soul would create these abilities within you so that you could uh, have that kind of a lifetime. Okay. Ladies? How about this, Robert? Uh, I have two very young children, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And quite, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in just everything we're talking about today. And I, so often I see little things that come up in life, you know, challenges and, you know, little th things that they have to learn and overcome. And I kind of try to help them understand this line of thinking that we're communicating about right tonight and guide them through it. Do you think that is helpful, or should I just kind of let them be on the fly <laughs> to help them evolve their souls? You know, I, I myself am not a parent, so I'm always a little bit reluctant to give advice to people. Who oh, are okay. Parents. But, but <laughs> well, how about this? Instead of just children, anybody, you know, if I, my best friend, um, middle-aged, needs guidance. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I... I what I, what I always do in my work is I, I try to let people tell me what they would like to know and how much they would like to know. So I, I let their questions guide me. The last thing I want to do is proselytize and say to people, you must believe in pre-birth planning. You know, I, I don't believe that that's the nature of the work that I'm doing. I think of myself as a resource, and if people are interested or curious, they can ask questions, and I'm delighted to answer to the best of my knowledge and the best of my ability. But for me to, to take this information to people and say, shake them and say, I really want you to believe this, uh, I don't think that's at all what my life is about. Okay, I'm, okay, maybe I didn't make myself clear. Maybe what I'm asking more is um, when challenges come up, when, for example, when one of my children would see oh, a grandparent sick and passing on, okay, is it better to help them understand? Oh, I'm sure it must be to try and, um, maybe I'm just not saying it right. Um, you know what, skip it. <laughs> are, are, you asking, are you asking, should you talk to your children about pre-birth planning? Yeah, that and, the, and just the evolution of the soul and, and so forth. Well, I, I can tell you, I, I have two nieces who I'm, I'm very close to, and uh, they're 9 and 11, and they've, they've asked some questions about pre-birth planning. They're not sophisticated enough, of course, to, to grasp it the, the way that yeah. you and Ed would, but they, they've asked some questions, and so I attempt to answer on the level that the question is asked. Um, and I'm sure that you do the same thing and will do the same thing with your children. Their, their questions will guide you, and you can provide increasingly sophisticated answers as they get older. But, you know, I, I think that we live in a time of great spiritual awakening, and so if they do ask questions about it, um, I, I would encourage you to make them a part of that process, and I think it will serve them well later in life because 
then when quote-unquote bad things happen to them, instead of feeling victimized or angry or blaming somebody for doing something to them, they'll fall back on, on this kind of learning that they've had in childhood, and they'll say to themselves, okay, I created this. You know, I'm the creator of everything I experienced. Why did I do this? What is the deeper meaning? And, and that will be very helpful to them. And I may have already been part of their pre-birth planning, of course. So my role in that was is probably natural anyway. Okay. Well, what, what I've seen, and, and I'm sure you know this, is that parents do choose their children, and the children also choose the parents. It's yeah. a collaboration and an agreement. Um, what, what many people don't know is that, you know, in our society, we think of parents as the teachers of their children, and they are in the sense that they teach children very practical things about how to live in the physical world. But more often than not, children are selected to be their parents' teachers and teach them the lessons that they want to learn in this incarnation. And I think many people really are not aware of that. Yeah, there's, I, I could agree with you on that because there's, people change once they have kids. And, you know, a uh, person learns to be patient, a person learns to be this, a person learns to be that. A lot of things that they weren't before they had children. So I would uh, I would agree that uh, they do, you know, it is a learning uh, experience that children are here to provide, too, for you. So um, what is your upcoming books, Robert? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm working on book two in the Courageous Soul series. It'll be very similar to book one, except that it will focus on the pre-birth planning of a different set of life challenges. I'm not sure yet exactly which challenges those will be, but I, I would encourage any of your listeners who may want to share their story in book two, uh, please get in touch with me through the website. You don't have to use your real name if the story is selected to be in the second book. You can use a pseudonym. And uh, an advantage of, of volunteering in this way is that you do get to have some uh, free sessions with some of the best mediums and channels in the country and find out what your pre-birth plan is. Now, um, you also have a mailing list at your, I believe, at your website, right? Yes, I will a newsletter. be start, uh, starting a monthly newsletter, and anybody who would like to sign up for that, the sign-up box is on the About the Book page at www.courageoussouls.com. Okay. Annette, Kathy, questions? Ladies? I know. I'm just speechless. My mind is a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let um, me throw one out to you then. Uh, maybe you came across this. Maybe a... Is there any tr truth to the um, feelings that um, some people say low, uh, once a, you know, souls, when they die, some are lost, some don't know they're dead, et cetera, et cetera? Did you come across that, any of that? That's not something that I myself have researched, but my, my understanding is that that, that is true. Um, what I understand is that sometimes that is the result of addictions on the physical plane, so in other words, you, if you were addicted to drugs or alcohol or uh, anything else like that and, and didn't mm -hmm. overcome it by the time of death, my understanding is that sometimes that can lead the, um, the soul to remain sort of lost, as you say, on the physical plane. And there are people who work with uh, souls who are like that, who have sort of lost their way and don't realize that they've transitioned back into spirit. And... Um, it's very much like that, that show, The Ghost Whisperer, where there's, uh, I believe, a character who helps souls to realize that they're no longer in body and they need to return to the light. Um, there, are, there are people who do that kind of work. Okay. Annette, 
very interesting. Wow. <laughs> what, do you go on tours, Robert? Do you have any tours coming up or anything like that, book tours? I, I do. I, I'm going to be speaking at um, East West Bookstore in Sacramento, California in mid-June, and then at East West in Mountain View, California in late July. I'm also going to be addressing uh, several chapters of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, a couple in the San Francisco area in June and July, possibly also Los Angeles and San Diego as well. Um, the November chapter of IONS, uh, rather the Chicago chapter of IONS in November. Um, so you're going to be well, in Chicago in November, huh? Yes, okay. I will be. Okay, uh, good. Also at, at one of the Unity churches in Chicago in November. Um, and I'm very open to speaking to other groups who are interested. Again, I would encourage people, contact me through the website or at CourageousSouls at Yahoo.com uh, if you would like to uh, have me present a talk about pre-birth planning. How old are you? Let me throw that out. I'm 44, almost 45. Okay, okay. And so basically in your late 30s, you, you're, you were drawn to this thing. You know, actually it, it happened exactly during my 40th year, and when I started down the spiritual path, I, I briefly did an investigation of numerology and I, I believe that it was planned exactly to be in my 40th year. You know, that, that number 40, if you go back through the Bible and other religious texts, it, it has great significance, and it comes up again and again and again. And my, my feeling is that um, my soul planned my awakening and, and this path that took me to the book to start exactly during my 40th year. Okay. Um, How about your background with um, writing? Did you just, just, due to the fact that you've done all these interviews, decided, okay, I'm going to write the book? Or were you, you know, interested in writing before that? Well, I've always written. I, even back in high school, I was on the school newspaper and then went on to do different forms of corporate writing and freelance journalism. I've done some work for Life magazine when it existed and U.S. News and World Report and a number of different newspapers. But the, the interesting thing to me is that, you know, in, in my work as a freelance journalist, I was interviewing, of course, many different people who are in body, and now in writing Courageous Souls, I still do many, many interviews, but now I'm interviewing consciousnesses that are not in body. So yeah. it's, it's sort of a, a new form of journalism, kind of a, a new age journalism, so to speak. I'm reminded of Jane Roberts and, and all her writings on Seth and everything, just, you know, because you're dealing with those, you know, those beings that can't really be named or proven so it's really kind of a leap of faith to you know go ahead and write a body of work especially a series and have people take you seriously in a, sometimes in a world where people don't take that kind of thing seriously well it's certainly but what i've done is is not going to be for everybody and if someone didn't believe okay. in mediumship or or channeling they probably would not have an interest in reading courageous souls but for people who are open to the non-physical realms and that there is more to life than what we can see and, and touch and taste. For those people, I, I think the book can be very helpful. And although mediumship really can't be proven, so to speak, um, I, I have no doubt of the accuracy of the information. You know, I've had personal oh, sessions yeah. with, with all the mediums, and they always knew things about me that they could not have known if they didn't have true abilities and all of the people that we worked with would comment after the sessions about how the mediums picked up very, very accurately on things that they, they really had no way of knowing on their own. 
Well, I applaud your bravery. Very good. <laughs> well, thank you. Do you, um, uh, there's so many, I know Annette's got a bunch of questions and stuff like that. Um, a, real, uh, a soul that's, is that a, a soul that's very spiritual, a soul that comes in that's very religious, are they coming from a different path than, let's say, your everyday soul? Or is it just something that they just chose? Well, I, I think one way of, of answering that would be to come back to the Michael system again. Um, Michael says that, that there are certain, souls have certain uh, defining energies. And I don't recall all of the classifications, but for example, one of them in the Michael system is the priest. So the energy of the priest is to be very spiritual. And what you would find is that uh, a soul in the priest caste would have, although it would have very different kinds of incarnations, there would tend to be this priest energy or this theme of spirituality that would run through many of them. So I, I think part of that can be explained by referring to the Michael system and this idea that souls have certain defining energies that are consistent across incarnations. Okay. Okay. So there's energy involved. There's choice of uh, the paths they're going to follow and everything else, which basically gives a whole package to the soul when it comes into the living. Yes, and, you know, it's important for the, the listeners to understand that everything really is, is energy. Um, you know, we, we are energy. Every consciousness is, is a form of energy, and energy is not um, destroyed. It, it simply transmutes. It changes form. So the form may change from lifetime to lifetime, but there are these defining characteristics of the energy, and that's why you see things like the priest caste in the Michael system having spirituality as a theme across incarnations. Okay. If you had to give a message to the listeners <clears throat> through all your experience with this, what would your message be? I, I think one of the, the most important functions that a knowledge of pre-birth planning can serve and one of the reasons I, I wrote the book is to remind people of who they really are. And what I mean by that is this. I, I think that very often in our society we tend to define ourselves by what we believe our limitations or our faults are. And I would suggest to your listeners that this is not who you really are. We are ultimately divine, eternal souls or sparks of God, as I said earlier. These things that we think of as our limitations or our faults these are with us just in the current incarnation, but we don't retain that when we transition back into spirit. There's a divine eternal core that merges back with the soul, and these things that we think of as our faults, they're just part of the, the personality that we designed and selected for this lifetime. So when people are experiencing low self-esteem, feeling unworthy in any way, feeling limited or viewing themselves uh, as having many faults, I always encourage them to remember that you are the courageous soul that chose to come here. You, you had the bravery to plan a very difficult existence on the physical plane, and not every consciousness will do that. There are many that never have a physical lifetime, and there are others who have had them but are no longer incarnating. And all of those consciousnesses know how difficult it can be to live on the physical plane. The ones who choose not to have it may choose because they know how difficult it is, and the ones who have been here, they certainly know. So they have a tremendous amount of respect for us. Really, I, I think it's accurate to say 
that we are all revered throughout the universe for having the courage to come here to the physical plane and take on all of the challenges that we take on. So for us to view ourselves and define ourselves by faults and limitations, this is not an accurate portrayal of who we really are. We are divinity incarnate temporarily in a physical body, and I think it's very important to remember that. Very nice, very nice message. Annette, anything as we wrap this up? I guess the only thing, my my last little note here was um, a lot of times when you're talking about karma and reincarnation, a lot of people will say, in joking, um, oh, was I ever a dog? Or, you know, if I do wrong, will I become a beetle in my next lifetime? Have you ever, I mean, and not necessarily that they'd be an animal, but um, have you found that past um, incarnations are something other than humans? or something other than on this earth plane as we know it? I, I have not seen anything in my research to indicate uh, souls incarnating as animals or insects, but I have spoken to some people who have memories of being on other planes or other planets. I, I recall meeting one woman who had memories of being on what she referred to as the blue planet, and the reason she called it the blue planet is that it was covered almost completely with water, and she remembers being having some kind of aquatic existence on the blue planet. Uh, my sense is that, that there are many, many dimensions, uh, almost infinite really, and many, many different types of experiences that we can have, both physical and non-physical. And so I, I think it, it, it's really almost limitless, as this woman who lived on the blue planet indicates. Very good. Okay, Mr. Robert Schwartz, author of the new book, Courageous Souls, and the web, website is www.courageoussouls.com. He's got a newsletter and everything. Um, you also can download a PDF file, which uh, gives you some insight to what the book's about. Robert, I'd li like to thank you for being on the show tonight and uh, giving us some insight to all that you've done and about the book and about souls. I, I know Annette agrees 100% with that. So. Oh, very inspiring, Robert. Thank you for your work. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, thank you. Listeners, we'll see you, we'll see you again June 3rd. Um, go to the website. They'll give details on who will be on. June 4th, again, we'll be at Champs uh, from 7 to 10 p.m., and June 10th, we'll have the Paranormal Gathering in our Psychic Fair, also a chance. And other things we'll be developing, uh, more details at the OWL Group and stuff like that. Robert, thank you very much. It was thank a you, pleasure. Ed. And uh, I'm going to have to get me the book. <laughs> thank oh, you. <laughs> Annette, thank you very much. Listeners, thank you. And everybody, a good night. Good night.